Welcome to Mix Understood, where we explore identity, the meaning of the word race, and talk about the multicultural and multiracial experience with stories from our own lives. I'm Hannah Lee. I'm Amy. And in today's episode, we explore the topic of multiracial actors in the entertainment industry. And we'll be chatting to a very special guest, Crystal, aka Yan K. Lo. My Chinese grandma helped raise us. And so her thing was like, you know, lovingly and jokingly, but you know, you don't speak Chinese, you don't eat. What do you mean Asian myself up? I, I, I cannot. People are going to try and take that away from you when you're booking. They're going to say it's because you're you're ethnic. It's because of this. Did we say that to them when, when they were booking all the roles? Well, it's because you're white. You know, uh, yeah. I, I, they, they seem to think it's because of their talent. Before we dive into this episode, it's important for us to say that we are here to offer up stories, ideas and various theories for you to consider and decide for yourself in light of your own knowledge and experience. We hope to explore, learn and grow together with you. We are not professing to have any of the answers. Our aim is to start conversations around these topics. introduced we shall formally introduce you crystal so um crystal aka yan k lo is a chinese scottish canadian actor director writer mother and wife she started her acting career at 15 years old and was quickly cast in numerous tv series including stargate sgi the twilight zone and many more As her film career blossomed, she became one of Hollywood's most in-demand scream queens, starring in numerous films, including the beloved franchise Final Destination. She was also in Children of the Corn, Revelation, and Black Christmas. She has starred in the Canadian-produced series Primeval as Toby Nance, as well as the Hallmark series Sign Sealed Delivered, where she's been nominated for multiple awards for Best Actress for her portrayal of the quirky and lovable Rita Hayworth. She has written, directed, and produced numerous award-winning short films and was nominated for Best International Director for her short film, The Curtain. Most recently, she has been selected as the first recipient of the new Hallmark Women's Director Programme. When she's not on set, you can find her teaching at the beloved GSS Acting Studio, that's Graham Shield Studio, where Amy and I take classes. Three fun facts about Crystal. Number one, she loves sweets. Apparently she's a sugar addict. It's so bad. It's so bad, guys. I'll eat anything with sugar in it, literally. And I won't stop. So it's... um, What's your go-to, like, number one? Like, straight up candy. You know what I mean? Like, those (laughs) five-point candies. Like, I'm sneaking in my kids, you know, um, candy bags, and like, eating all their stuff. That kind of candy. Number two, she loves refurbishing furniture and painting big things. There's this weird joy I have in like painting a, in a painting on a wall in an apartment, you know, like there's something. So, uh, you know, I have my husband and I have for years um, uh, purchased uh, places and then like, like remodeled them. He's in construction. Um, he's a project manager. And so that's something that we did together. And also I love doing. I owned a restaurant for three years. And when I owned that restaurant, I did the same thing. Like we tore everything apart. Like I did all the demolition, you know, with him and a couple other people. Did you mention yeah. demolition, right? I did. This is number yeah. three. We Third have a number three fact, Highly competitive and loves smashing things. <laughs> There's something so um, cathartic about 
like demolishing something and then building it back Mm. up, especially if it's like a home or a business, there is something really beautiful about um, taking something down to the bare bones and then building it back up with your hands. And there's an end result, right? Like, Mm. you know, I didn't particularly love running the restaurant when I owned it, although I loved the people that I got to meet, but I, I loved sitting, conceptualizing what I wanted to make the restaurant look like, and then tearing down this already existing thing and like rebuilding, you know? And when I, when I had that restaurant, it doing that was what made me start wanting to go into producing. So like that was the catalyst for me saying, Oh, I want to create, like, I want to, I want to create a world. I I don't want to run the, I don't want to run the world for the rest of my life. I don't want a restaurant where I have to run it day in and day out. That's not what I'm looking for. But creation of it was what was so magical for me. And so because of that, I was like, I can do this in film. Mm -hmm. So you, you started, you knew you wanted to, you wanted to be an actress. Yeah. Since you were a little girl. Like five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I've always wanted that. It was that or a judge, which is, (laughs) which my mom reminded me of. And because I'm a very, um, I like what's fair is fair. And I feel like everybody should have some sort of fair, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people. I should have been a Libra. I'm not, I'm an Aquarius. Um, and as you know, that is everything, uh, whatever our signs are, but I, <laughs> that was the, I want, I'm a, I'm a justice warrior. I'm also very, I feel very strong about social justice have ever since I was a kid. So it was between the two. Um, mm. but the acting, you know, people told me I was really cute and I was like, You were born in, in Canada, yeah. right? Yeah. In Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And what was like the population around you? Did you look like the, the people around you? Vancouver is an interesting place because it is diverse, although there are really only like, I would say the population of three major uh, nationalities, <laughs> which is Asian. I mean, that's a, that's encompasses a lot of different, obviously people, but Chinese, um, Indian, like from India, yeah. and uh, white. That was kind of like the people I grew up around because there was really the, the those are like the dominating. Of course, there's other people, and especially now it's it's opened up a little more. And when I was young, I didn't feel a ton of that when I was really little. Um, you know, my mom has always been awesome sauce, so she was always like, "You're amazing. You're wonderful. You're co-. so." The, my confidence level was huge as mm-hmm. a little girl. I didn't really deal with, um, you know, the discrimination or the, the people not appreciating my nationality or my mix until I was in my teenage years when I moved to, into a suburb that was kind of like all white people. <laughs> it was like all white. And then me and like the other kid that was like, you know, from Hong Kong, who was like an ESL, didn't speak any English. And it was just like the two of us, you know? So, um, but until then, I didn't really feel that in Hong Kong, I felt it. Uh, yeah. I lived in Hong Kong uh, for a little while too. And my, my Chinese grandma used to like yell in people at the elevators because they would say I wasn't Chinese. Oh, really? Um, yeah. They would be like, oh, who, you know, they'd call me the little white girl or whatever. And she was like, you know, her, in Chinese, she would say this in Cantonese, but her last name is Lo. You know, her father is Chinese. And for her, because my grandma's old school, um, if your father is Chinese, you are Chinese. It doesn't matter if you're a mix because your mm. last name is Lo. Okay. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then her and I would get into arguments because I was like, and I'm half Scottish, you know? And she was like, you're Chinese. And I was like, I'm half Scottish. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Although I love my Chinese grandma, like my Chinese family and I are tight. Um, I think they just like to argue just to argue, but uh, that's family. And, and you speak Cantonese? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I didn't really have a choice. I was, I was telling somebody this the other day, my Chinese grandma helped raise us. And so her thing was like, you know, lovingly and jokingly, but you know, you don't speak Chinese. You don't eat. Cause she <laughs> Oh my goodness. Wow. She would say, and I'd be like, Oh, and you know what? I learned Chinese real quick. You know, yeah, she, <laughs> she was the one cooking. So she's like, what do you want? You want this? Do you want this meal? Ask me they in Chinese. Have you worked um, speaking Cantonese? Have you brought that into Not your really. acting? Only in Toby, as in, in Primeval, they wrote it in for me. And, you know, it was yeah. so funny when they wrote it in. Because I'm really, I, I love the showrunner of that show. And she really was trying to, she, she wanted me to, she wanted to incorporate that I was half Chinese. So I was like, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they had like written this like Chinese proverb as if I would, you know, we don't talk like that. You don't talk in Hindi in proverbs. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's like some white people writing that stuff they like googled oh maybe she would use this story about a bird I was like no can I just can I just write it and he was like yeah just you just take it by the reins that's good wow yeah. it's the that's only time great. I've ever used my Cantonese really I've auditioned for Asian roles but you know I'm never Asian enough they don't think I'm Asian um so know. the industry perceives you as white you feel I would say because I am very white passing, you know, people look at me and they go, Oh, you're either white or you're, you know, white with a nice tan, uh, or you're <laughs> Hawaiian. I always got Hawaiian cause there's a lot of hop up people in Hawaii. Um, in, when I was younger, I was made to not made suggested that I change my last name. So that the spelling of my last name is actually L O not L O W. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I was younger, all I was auditioning was for families, right? When you're 15, the stuff that you're going out for is to fit in a family. And I was always like too ethnic looking or not white enough. Um, and I've told this story before, but I remember going into an audition and I was going to play a Italian woman's daughter and I could have passed. You know, if you looked at me, you'd be like, okay, yeah, I could, she could pass. Uh, and it was one of my first auditions. I went in, did it. The director was like, oh my God, I love that. That was great why did you write L-O here when your headshot says L-O-W-E? Because I had written it because you, I wasn't thinking. And mm-hmm. and at that time, I didn't know you could lie. <laughs> so I was like, uh, because I'm actually half Chinese and that's the real spelling of my name. And he was like, oh, you know, now that you say that, yeah, I see it. And then I, I left mm-hmm. and I got a call from my agent and the casting director had called him and said, tell her never to do that again because he loved her. And she would have booked that job, but because he said he could see it, he said, no, she, she's too Asian. We, it doesn't make sense. And I lost the role. It was, it was very weird, you know, and I've also been told in auditions by my former team, you know, can you Asian yourself up? I'm like, what does that mean? What do you mean Asian myself up? I, I, I cannot. They said this to you in a meeting. They sat you down and they said, Crystal, we would like you to Asian yourself up so we can market you better. Usually it was more like a phone call. Are you going to go to do new headshots? Um, I think you really need to Asian yourself up. That's in right now. <laughs> That's in right now. 
you know, I, I once had my manager sit me down. He goes, you know, there hasn't been a lot for you. The, the, the big thing right now is Asian men. So I don't know what to tell you. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm not an Asian man, so that doesn't help me. But also awesome, because when in the history is ever that Asian men have been the hot ticket? That's great. I'm stoked about that. Like, we should be cheering that, you know. And so there's there was always this, and there still is this weird, you know, well, they want ethnic and diverse. So, like, that's all anybody wants. I'm like, guys, 90% of shows are still all white. Yeah. So yeah. can we just cut that narrative? Mm. A BS narrative. It's not true. Just because we're including people now doesn't mean that it's it's a majority. I know. It's that the rosters they had were majority white, right? So the rosters those people already had didn't have any diverse people. They had like two. And now that we're finally opening up the pool, the agents are like, oh my God, I don't have anybody. I have three people. I should yeah. probably go get more people, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and that part I, I always get frustrated with. And I, I'm always am telling my, you know, diverse we're just other people you know actors that like you know people are going to try and take that away from you when you're booking they're going to say it's because you're you're ethnic it's because of this did we say that to them when when they were booking all the roles well it's because you're white you know uh, I I, they they seem to think it's because of their talent so as a woman as well I've gotten that so much oh well you're directing I mean you got to cash in on that thing right you're a woman and you're a you're you're a diverse woman I was like yeah for sure it's nothing to do with the fact that for like the last 10 years I've been making all my own stuff and yeah writing forget that years. yeah yeah I'll just you're privileged now you know and I and I've had this conversation with somebody and I said well how, how did you use yours because you're a white guy so like how did you use yours for the last <laughs> yeah years? right, right. going he was like mm-hmm. oh well no I go oh I thought that you just got that because you were a privileged white guy no you you worked hard for that <laughs> that's weird <laughs> You know, I mean, this is the stuff that we have to put up with constantly. And I don't think people really. Yeah, um, it really is. You're so right when you say that. Just going back to when you said that you had that discussion with, with your with your team and they they wanted you to look more ethnic when it comes mm-hmm. to your headshots. How did you react to that at that time? Well, I was 15 when I signed with my agent. Right. So I was just a kid. Um, and at that point, I was like, OK, I'll do whatever people tell me to do. Like I had no idea that I had any control over my own career. I was like, A, I was a kid and B, you know, I'm not even angry at my agent for telling me that because it was the, it was the truth back then. Like he, he wasn't telling me anything that wasn't correct. Um, he was like, you're not going to (laughs) work unless this is the industry and what they're looking for. And we can, you know, pitch you as ambiguous or like, Oh, uh, what, what was the word they used to always ethnically ambiguous or like yeah ethnically ambiguous other, other terms that they would kind of use to like yeah we want somebody that's sort of white looking you know yeah. and, and I struggle too because and I'm sure you guys do too I know that I'm privileged from that white passing you know I know because I'm white passing uh I have been very privileged in that journey they were able to slot me into things you know they were able to get away with using somebody like me to make other people not feel as uncomfortable by watching someone diverse on the screen, mm-hmm. you know? And then there's a lot of guilt that comes with that now as an adult. Cause oh, I'm like, yeah. I didn't really fully understand that I was contributing to this. Um, and being an artist and an actor is so difficult. It is so hard to book a job, a period. Uh, yeah. It's, it's really hard to figure out where you're supposed to fit in, in the, in the big, narrative of things and what feels okay to take and what feels like it's wrong and 
why am I the person that has to say no to these things? You know, when I only get one shot, um, it's, it's a complicated situation. We've been reading on, up on some articles that have been coming out lately about this term that's coming up is colorism. We have two articles here, one from 2019 and one recent one from 2023. The 2019 NBC News article reads, colorism, the idea that light-skinned minorities are given more privilege than their darker-skinned peers, is a century-old concept that many insiders say remains pervasive in the entertainment industry. Another quote we want to read here from the USD student media site that just came out in April. Mm -hmm. April 2023. It says, colorism in film is deeply problematic as it sets a Eurocentric beauty standard, puts actors of color at a disadvantage and robs people with darker complexions of representation. Because of this, it is essential that we think critically about the media we watch. Oxford Languages defines colorism as prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone, typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. In other words, it is a bias against people with dark skin tone. Colorism is often confused with racism, but there is a distinction between the two. Racism is based on a person's membership to a particular race or ethnic group, while colorism is based on the tone of a person's skin. Also, racism is often perpetuated by members of a different race. Colorism, however, can be perpetuated by people of the same race or of a different race. So this is coming off of Lilo and Stitch is coming out, and there's been criticism that the actress that they cast is too light-skinned compared Mm. to the the original character. Also, previously, you know, Disney came under fire in 2019 when they remade Aladdin and then Mm -hmm. they cast a light skinned English and Indian actress to play Mm -hmm. Jasmine. And this is we're bringing this up because the three of us are mixed actors, Mm -hmm. but obviously none of us signed up for that. It's really like you said, it's really hard to get a job (laughs) where we worked so hard and we want to participate. Yeah. But yes, unfortunately, sometimes those are the roles we get cast in. Mm-hmm. And we're not trying to undermine our fellow people in any way. Yeah. Um, well, but the other there's thing... so few and far between roles anyway for ethnic yes. minorities. But also, here's the other thing that I find bizarre. I'm, I am just as much Chinese as I am Scottish. I grew up with my Chinese family. I'm very close with them. I lived in Hong Kong. I don't feel like I'm not Chinese. Chinese people might look at me and be like, huh, it's more white, you know, but I don't feel different. And when I am with my Scottish family, I am just as Scottish as I am Chinese. So it's like that, that is weird for us because I don't feel like I'm one or the other. I don't feel more or less. I might look one or the other, but I don't feel that way on the inside. So that's really difficult. When I'm around Chinese people, I'm, I feel very at home. In fact, whenever I'm having a hard day, I go to a place where there's wonton noodles and people are yelling at each other. And finally, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm okay. Everything's fine. Somebody's yelling at someone somewhere. Good. Okay. Life is okay. Everybody loves each other that way. Um, you know, that's really tough for us to explain because we kind of are our own group. And I definitely agree with the colorism though. And within communities as well. I mean, even in Asia, you know, people are trying to lighten their skin. My grandma used to yell at me all the time because I would tan and she was like, no, 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 you know, white and whiter is beautiful. White is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that happens, I think, within other communities as well. Because, 
because I'm on the other side a little bit too, and I'm in casting and I've worked in casting for a long time too, I understood why people were upset with Aladdin and yes. her casting. I, I get it. Yes. You know, I agree. We had, see both sides of this coin. Yes. yes. Also, do you know how hard it is to find somebody that yes. can sing and mm-hmm. act? And like, it is, it is actually really, really difficult. You know, I know that they were doing a search looking for all women and I'm not defending them. I'm just saying it's also really hard to find somebody that can embody every single thing that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and that, that can sing the way that you need them to sing, especially in a musical. So it's like, it, there are, it sometimes feels like there's arguments for both. It doesn't discount the fact that it is definitely happening. Colorism is happening in Hollywood. And yet this actress, her name is Naomi Scott that played Jasmine. You don't know her. She is probably just as Indian as she is English and Indians come in all shades and colors. And, you know, and Amy, you were saying to me yesterday, you were like, and it's also a cartoon. Yeah. Cause when I first found out about this, I was like, yeah, but Okay. This is me being ignorant because I didn't see both sides of the coin initially. I was mm. just like, that it's a drawing, it's a cartoon. Like, right. who's to say what color of skin she could she should be? But now I do understand the wider problem and, and why right. people have an issue with it. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we saw that right with the the Little Mermaid, people's reaction to that, which was the weirdest. You know, have you seen The Little Mermaid? I felt like we were supposed to get up and do a standing ovation after that first song. She was phenomenal. I know. Mm-hmm. Like insanely phenomenal. It was crazy. Her voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that was a cartoon too. And people were angry about that. So like, it's, it's a really complicated conversation, but I think we all know that colorism absolutely exists. A hundred percent Hollywood has used it. You know, what drives me crazy is that we we treat our audiences like they're idiots, you know, like they don't understand what it's like to see people from different cultures or different worlds, or as if we introduce these new things to that, them that they're not going to be able to handle it. They can't digest it. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are going to adapt to every situation in any situation. I think they talk about, I've heard this before, maybe I've just made it up in my own head, but being mixed race uh, tends to make people more uh, empathetic. Um, that we have a different uh, understanding because being in two cultures is just normal for us. We just grow up and see two totally different things and that's fine. There's no, it's not a weird thing. And I think the more we introduce different cultures to other people, they also will just see the human aspect in it. So I don't understand why we have to treat our audience like they can't handle it. Um, Or like we assume everybody is racist. So let's just like not show them anything else because, oh God, they'll be so scared of that. And in in terms of like what we see on screen, the diversity on screen, obviously I want the actors to be as diverse as possible. That's really important to me. But what's way more important to me is getting showrunners that are diverse because those people are writing the show. Okay. And so like, for example, I'm going to write a show that has people that I'm around, you know, I'm going to write people write based on their own experiences for the most part, or have some sort of that. And you're going to build worlds. And then I'm going to cast actors that look like that because it's already built into the storytelling in the world. What I'm tired of seeing is the same narrative told by, you know, the same dude over and over and over again. Also, I'm really exhausted of seeing the the male gaze. It's boring. I've seen it. We know, we know what the men think is gorgeous and hot. Thank you. We've been watching that for a long time. Victoria secret. (laughs) We get it. Thank you so much. Uh, We would love to see what other people think. Um, And that comes from a bigger picture, not just getting people on screen. Right. 
it's the storytelling part of it. It's the putting people in writers' rooms that have diverse backgrounds, putting us there going, oh yeah, well, and at Christmas, I would have a turkey lunch and then I would go have a Chinese, big Chinese dinner and I would get red envelopes. That's my Christmas. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's from those roots that you build from. You build that world that you're talking about. Yes. And then I'm going to cast people that just happen to be in the world that I'm in. You know, if you have an all white writing room, that's what they grew up with. That's kind of what they're writing based on their life experience. And that's what they're going to cast. I think that is more important. I don't often believe in trickle down, especially when it comes to uh, capitalism and money. But I do believe that if you get writers and showrunners and um, higher up people telling a story from that, that will eventually just bleed into yeah. uh, who you cast for those roles. What kind of roles have you been cast in? Were they full? Were they mixed ethnic roles? And how do you feel about being cast in a fully ethnic role? You know, I think I have mixed feelings about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I remember auditioning for Warrior. Um, and actually, mm. the girl from Vancouver, who I, I know really well, ended up booking the role I, I got. But that role was so good. It was so meaty. It was so juicy. It was a brilliant role. Um, but also it was based on a real historical character and she is full Chinese, you know? So like, I also don't want to do a disservice to her life experience. And if I can't understand that fully the way that she would have, you know, then, then I, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about it. And then on the other flip side, I watch something like Hamilton and I'm like, yes, why can't we cast everybody as everybody? Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know that we can get to that Hamilton stage that I think we should be at. Uh, until we address uh, how bad the system is now, right? Mm -hmm. So like, um, we need to still continue to support mm -hmm. and push our actors that are um, less seen on screen. I need to be stoked about their winnings. Uh, and then I just need to write my own stuff. That's why I also write and I direct and create. Uh, I'm I'm not really interested in waiting for somebody to tell me I'm good enough or I'm uh, I'm what they want anymore. I would much prefer to build my own world and put whoever I want in it. That seems much more interesting to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and in my world, there's lots of different races doing a bunch of different things, like the same way as when I open the door. <laughs> I walk down the street. There's uh, this beautiful quote here from the website mixedlife.net they um interviewed alec chester who's the editor-in-chief of the hapa mag there are so many things that come into play when hiring a bipoc or mixed actor first and foremost it is against the law to ask the actor what their ethnicity is granted this doesn't stop casting directors or producers another aspect to keep in mind when it comes to mixed actors portraying mono-ethnic characters is the lack of work available to mixed actors. There are few and far roles specifically written for mixed actors, and there are mm -hmm. few roles written for a BIPOC actor. Do you mm -hmm. want to read this next one? Yeah, part? sure. Since there is a small percentage of roles available, BIPOC monoethnic actors play mixed ones, for example, Lana Condor in To All the Boys I Love, and mixed actors play mono roles, for example, Henry Golding in Crazy Rich Asians. I think it becomes dangerous when people start dictating what mixed actors can and cannot play. If the mixed actor identifies with the given ethnic makeup of the role, then I do not see this as a problem. The problem is Hollywood is white centric and there just isn't enough work to go around to the BIPOC mixed community. 
This is why it's essential to create our own work and make sure our stories are being told. I also think it's important to keep in mind Hollywood rarely, if ever, will hire a mixed actor to play a white mono-ethnic character, even if the mixed actor identifies with their white side. This doesn't matter because the United States sees anyone that isn't fully white as an other. I mean, this is what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. You know, I think, and this happened when, with gender as well, right? I really, really want to touch on that too, is that what we're doing is we're pitting the two female writers against each other. There can only be one female writer on this in this show, and you're already the female writer, so like, don't let that up, female writer. There could be eight men, mm. <laughs> one female, you know, and it's the same thing for this. Like, they're, they're because the roles are so far and few between, because nothing is about us. I mean, I think Emma, not Watson, Emma Stone. Stone was cast as like a hapa from a Hawaiian movie. Yes, yes, yeah. Guys, that never comes for us. Please don't, you know, whitewash mm-hmm. that role. And I love her. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think she's amazing. Yeah, yeah. What? She's, you know, we never get In these. Aloha 2015. Yes. Like, go, don't do that, you know, because, but here we are fighting each other for these roles because we don't tell, it's the storytelling part of it, guys. It's the creating the shows and then putting the shows out there. It's that part of it that is more crucial than us fighting to be seen in a role written by a white dude who's pretending to know how we speak and how we uh, how we relate to each other and what we do. No, you know, it has to come from that part. That's the stuff to aim for. The show running part, the writing part, the producing part, the directing part, you know, directing if you're doing a feature, but like, that stuff is, we need more of us there. And I'm talking about the entire BIPOC community so that we are telling stories from our perspective and we are casting ourselves and we're not fighting for those roles anymore. Um, you know, Ella Tran, she's the editor-in-chief of the arts and entertainment section of the General Consensus, which is the Hamilton Wenham Regional High School student-run newspaper. She wrote this um, about how basically Hollywood has leapt from yellow face to whitewashing. Hmm. She wrote, a lack of opportunities for Asian actors to star in Hollywood has made it difficult for East Asian audiences to see themselves in the media. Though yellow face has fallen out of favor, whitewashing has taken its place. Whitewashing occurs when a canonically Asian character or character that would make more sense being Asian such as one where every other character around them is Asian and the film is set in an Asian country, is played by a white actor. Recent movies that contain whitewashing include Doctor Strange 2016, in which the role of the ancient one is played by Tilda Swinton, a white woman, despite canonically being a Tibetan man. Ghost in the Shell 2017, in which Scarlett Johansson, a white woman, plays the canonically Japanese protagonist. Whitewashing takes away from the already limited opportunities for Asian actors in American media and demonstrates how racism persists in Hollywood today. This is from uh, May 2023. Yeah, I mean, all of those films are so recent as well. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the argument from their side, right? The argument is Scarlett Johansson's a big name. Huge, yeah. brings in tons yeah. of box office. Uh, you know, what, what Japanese star could we find to play that? You know, the argument is Tilda Swan, but like, hey, we cast a woman. You know, we we tried to be cool, but interesting by casting a woman. It's a male role. Aren't you happy? Yeah. Aren't you happy we're even telling this story, Ghost right, in the right. Shell, to begin right. with? We're giving you something for the Asian audiences. You should well, be and, happy. 
And their argument will constantly be, they're not big enough. They don't bring in enough money. And you're like, for sure. I mean, if you don't give anyone a platform to get big enough, they're not going to bring in enough money. Yeah. never going to happen. So if we don't do that, you know, then at the end of the day, unfortunately, and I think we're seeing that right now with the SAG strike and capitalism and as a whole, you know, for them, while I, I know a hundred percent, you know, systemic racism, everything is drenched in it. But so much, I think, is just about money. Money, money, yeah. money, money drives everything. Um, and what I find really interesting now, too, is I look at K-pop and the rise of K-pop, how huge K-dramas are. Uh, and now I'm like, well, now what's the argument, right? Because if yeah. you put a K-pop star in there, you're going to make some money. You know, there's a huge audience for that. So I'm curious to see if the rise of that kind of um, market starts bleeding mm. into it, it might happen now more than ever because there's going to be a lack of content yeah with this strike yes yeah i mean and yet again i will say i'm hoping that with this strike we see the rise of independent films and independent filmmakers at the end of the day the people that make those films is us we're the ones that know how to do it we're also the ones that hold bankability you know and if we have big stars out there that are striking uh, how, I, you know, someone maybe the argument and they were like, yeah, but they fund it. And I was like, yeah, with, with names that we have access to now. <laughs> so if you're a filmmaker and you have something really great and you offer points on the back end, you might be able to get somebody that has uh, a bank is bankable that you could yeah. then take the bank and say, Hey, so-and-so Matthew McConaughey signed on to this. I'm going to give him a ton of money if this movie makes money at the end of it. He knows I don't have it now. He doesn't care. Mm. Uh, he just wants to keep making movies and he's really good. You know, I'm throw, throwing big names out there. I'm just saying you can go to the bank and be like, Hey, he's worth this much in this, uh, in this foreign market in this market in this market. Can I make this indie film? I think, you know, we could take this into our own hands as opposed to. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. What an empowering thought. By the way, you know, this episode yeah. is probably going to come out around October. So I hope that by then the strike is over. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And we just wanted to ask you just a couple more questions. So have you ever been asked to do um, an accent? So like a Chinese accent, for example, for a role? And how did you feel about that? Yes, I was asked to do it. But it was for a character that was in like the real world, like, you know, which I also was like, I'm not going to book this. This is crazy. I don't look Chinese enough. And I don't want people watching this thinking like, who is that white girl pretending to be Chinese? You know, Mm. I'll just look like a racist person, you know, and I'm obviously they don't know I'm Chinese. And I do a great Chinese accent because all my Chinese family speaks with a Chinese accent. Mm -hmm. They talk. And that's the thing I love about them most is is their, you know, way of pronouncing things for me. It's, it's a love language for us. Uh, I did do it. The audition. And I knew I wasn't going to book it. And that was okay. I did that more for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, again, being mixed race, like doing a Chinese accent for me doesn't feel weird because I was spent a lot of my life in Hong Kong. And yeah, yeah and because you're fluent. Me. Yeah. You know, yeah. so like, it doesn't feel like because I'm not mocking it. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. You know, I was I was doing a class in um, Groundlings and one of the characters that I do is my Chinese aunt. I do a full accent and do her, of course, because she has one accent. But when, I, you know, my teacher and I were talking and I said, I'm really scared to do this character because I'm scared people are going to think, why are you doing a Chinese accent? You look so white, you know? Um, he goes, but when you do it, 
you do it from a place of love. It's never, I'm never punching down Mm. because we're talking about my family. You know, when I'm doing it, it, it's, it's not to like make fun of them. It's to talk like them and the funny things that they say to me and how they say it, you know? Uh, And that's a different thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a complicated thing, isn't it? It is. I, I resonate with that completely because I, I do an Indian accent and I didn't do it earlier in my life because I hadn't been around. Um, I, I hadn't lived in India at that point, but I have now and I've been there for six years and I was completely submerged in the culture. I am half Indian. I do speak almost fluent Hindi now. But yeah, I experienced that exact same thing that do I have the right to do this? And I double guess myself. And I've got this internal dialogue going on of like, I'm not sure if this is okay for me to do this, but I'm doing it from a place of love. And because internally, I, I feel completely Indian and I feel completely English. Yeah. And your jokes that you, you know, when you laugh at your family member, it's the same as you laughing at your sister or brother. It's not from making fun of a girl at a nail salon because she has an accent. When I'm making a joke with my aunt, I'm becoming my aunt. And, you know, she says ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like I'm being her. I'm not um, making fun of her accent. She speaks two languages. Uh, I think people that speak multiple languages are pretty freaking awesome. I don't think yeah. they're, I'm, I don't, how can you make fun of somebody for that? You know, it, you know, when I watch people do that or they laugh at somebody who has an accent, I'm like, well, how many languages do you speak? It's never punching down. It's punching up, which is laughing with them. Just like I can make fun of women too. Same way I can make fun of Scottish people too. The same way I can make fun of, because I'm making fun of them with them though. It's not mocking them. When I, when I do my Chinese aunt bit, if anything, she's always making fun of me. So it's like, the <laughs> I'm doing her making fun of me, you know, and, and it's hilarious because she holds no punches. She'll just tell me whatever she thinks, whenever she feels like, it. like <laughs> literally, um, and I think that's super funny. Yeah. Now, now it's not damaging. It's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I have a little curiosity here. What's the Scottish family like? Oh, there's, it's like, they could not be more Scottish. So my mom is from Glasgow. Like she's an immigrant as well. So she immigrated from Glasgow and my, my father immigrated from Hong Kong and they met in Canada. It's like the most Canadian story ever. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like so Canadian. So my Scottish family is very Scottish. Everybody still has an accent. I can't hear it, but everybody else can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they are so loving and self-deprecating. It's very Scottish. You know, the, we sing at funeral. We're, you know, we're, they don't need haggis. We don't do that whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But but there is, they are definitely uh, very distinct culturally. Can you do a Scottish accent? I have tried. Yes, I have. I can do a British accent, but that actually came from living in Hong Kong. Um, because right. at that, when I lived in Hong Kong, it was still under British rule. Oh. So all of my, I went to an international school and all the teachers there were British. So they, mm. I came back with like a British accent. I can do a Scottish accent, but it's not great, you know, and I have to really lean into it because Scottish is hard. It's not. Well, especially Glaswegian. Glaswegian's like. Oh yeah. Really, I'm really yeah. It, you know. It, it's funny because my mom has this accent, but I can't hear it. I don't hear any of it. Yeah. Yeah. My my dad's actually, he's Scottish. And for the life of me, I can't do his accent. <laughs> I've known him my whole life. I just can't do it because it's, it's a very distinct. Heavy. Yeah. And it's also yeah. mixed with a bit of um, uh, Southern England country bumpkin type accent as well. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. 
I anyway. haven't been to Scotland either, which is kills oh. me inside. Yeah, it's the one place I need to go. I want to go with my mom, although I know she'll just make me go to every museum and then go to gravestones, which I'll do. <laughs> she just likes to go and explore those things. My mom, my mother is an English professor of 18th century English literature. So, um, wow, mom's a genius. She like really actually is a genius. She's won every award you can think of, written a ton of books, and she's incredibly, oh. incredibly smart. Um, and so she likes to do things like that. And when I was younger, I did not want to do that. Now I'm more open to it. You know, <laughs> now I'm like, yes, let's go learn about, you know, she would make me read Chaucer to her while I was dry because she was studying. So I had no idea what was going on, but I would read it. So she would leave me alone. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I grew up with a really interesting and the women in my family, my mom's family, um, all very, very strong females. My, my grandmother wasn't, uh, definitely felt like matriarchy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, my grandfather was a pastor of really? a Baptist church, yep, and um, came over to Canada to preach. You know, growing up as a Baptist, we were so loving to every community, though, you know, and as much, I don't go to church now, but we did not discriminate against people, you know, we had dinner, and people could come, anybody, I'm talking anybody, and we were not allowed to preach, that was the deal, because my grandpa would say, sometimes people just need a place to sit and eat, we don't need to be preaching to them all the time. So there's a, it's been an interesting journey to watch that get skewed. I loved hearing about all of these aspects of your life. Did you get to pour all of these sides of you into your characters? Because I feel oh. like probably not, right? Oh, I mean, I was I was in, especially the roles in the beginning of my career. I also modeled, you know, and I also, so much of my value in my own mind internally came from how I looked. Uh, so much, you know, thank God Instagram wasn't around when I was young because I probably would have gone deep in that rabbit hole of like, desperately trying to fit into the male gaze um, from my own trauma of trying to like, you know, how I looked visually meant, meant everything. I thought that was my only worth. Um, mm-hmm. And luckily I had a mom who continually was like, what if you get in a car accident? Wouldn't you burn everything? What? It doesn't matter. None of that matters. You know, my mom could care less about how I look or how she looks. And so finally, and I would say even in the last like five years is the only time where I'm like really being like, oh, maybe I'm I'm worth more. Maybe I, I have more. Maybe I've only been looking at life through the male gaze because that's what was presented to me. Um, and so then I thought I had to chase after that and that my values were so deeply rooted in that. So in the beginning of my career, I played a lot of that. Uh, you know, I played a lot of hypersexualized women, which I was also okay with at that time. Um, but now I'm like, ah, being beautiful is wonderful. Um, to a degree and then it's boring you know like and this is what I say to a lot of my female um students and, and people that I work with yeah you're already gorge like that's already a thing who cares about that yeah yeah you, what's here are you funny are you like are you you know what do you like do you like painting do you like what do you like tell me all about who you are because I don't think we've been given the opportunity to show that in yeah. world no you're so right and you know that leads us on so beautifully to our quotes however I do just have one other thing, just for the end of this, do you have any other standout sort of funny or sad stories or memorable things um, to do with the industry with regards to being mixed that you want to share with us? 
You know, I think uh, I've shared this before, but I'll say it again. Taking my name back, because my full name is Yen K. Crystal Lowe, and I still kept L-O-W-E because it's just been my stage name for years. Um, taking my name back was really important for me. And I struggled so much with that, you know, because I was so scared that the other side, meaning my Asian family would be, or, or, you know, the BIPOC community would be like, you're just doing this to take it back because it's cool. And then I was so scared that the, you know, white community was going to be like, what? That's not your, you know, it really, it ate me up inside for a really long time. Our first episode is all about how our, we reclaimed our names and changed them and everything. So what was your original name and what did you, or what was the name? And then what did you go back to? Just My to name clarify. is Yen K. Crystal O. That is my actual name. Okay, okay. Um, and I always went by Crystal, you know, and, you know, I would always laugh it off. Like people would go, oh, your name is Yen K. And I'd be like, yeah, right. Thanks a lot. And I blame them or I try to make a joke out of it, make everybody else feel comfortable that they couldn't say my name or whatever. Um, and when I decided to take it back, it was like, well, who am I doing this for? Do I care if people don't like this? <laughs> I don't. I don't care if you don't like it or not. That's my name. That's literally what I was named. Uh, and I get to take it back whenever I want to take it back. Mm -hmm. The end. Period. And that was it. And that was a big deal for me. That felt really great. And I still go by Crystal too. Like they're both my name. You know, you can call me NK, you can call me Crystal. It doesn't matter. The point was that I get to say what I want and you don't get to tell me what I am. Um, yeah. in any circumstance. And that's from both communities. <laughs> you know, I, I know who I am. Uh, and I feel really lucky and blessed that I got to grow up with two very distinct cultures. Like so lucky, you know, uh, and so blessed that I hate that word, but blessed that I get to like understand the world differently because I see it from two different perspectives. And that opens me up to seeing from other people's perspectives too, you know? Yeah. So I think being mixed is an awesome thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's really a beautiful, lovely way of understanding the world a little bit better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Otherwise from that, I mean, I can't even think of some of the stories. No, that's great. That's sharing that. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. We always like to end with a few quotes. Okay. Our ability to reach unity and diversity will be the beauty and the test of our civilization. Mahatma Gandhi. Beauty is not in the face. Beauty is a light in the heart. Khalil Gibran. So this is from one of my favorite songs and favorite artists. I am not my hair. I am not this skin. I am not your expectations. I am not my hair. I am not this skin. I am the soul that lives within. India Ari. And on that note, we want to say thank you so very much to you, Crystal Yankee Low. We loved listening to you and hearing your stories. We could talk to you for hours, yes. to be honest. Well, let's keep writing, guys. That's what I'm going to be doing today. Let's keep creating our own stuff and shooting our own stuff and making things yes. happen. You know, telling stories from our point of view. People need to hear it because we've been watching the same point of view for a really long time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm over it. It's nice. I've seen it, though. You know what I mean? Let's Let's get some new voices we've got to hear them yeah yeah to those of you listening today if you liked this episode please follow us please subscribe please share it with your friends and family uh, we really appreciate your support we'd love to hear from you if you relate to any of this on that note bye from us bye bye, bye.
This episode was produced by us, music by Matthias Kunzli. <laughs>